the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. Yes, indeed it is, and hour number two is underway. Nine minutes past ten o'clock on this Tuesday, the twelfth morning of the tenth month of the year of our Lord, 2021. In a statement Monday night, John Gruden formally announced his resignation as head coach of the Las Vegas Raiders shortly after a bombshell New York Times report featuring vulgar emails from Gruden over the past decade, featuring derogatory remarks regarding NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell, female officials, and gay athletes, just to name a few. Gruden adding in his statement, quote, I love the Raiders and do not want to be a distraction. Thank you to all the players coaches, staff, and fans of Raider Nation. I'm sorry. I never meant to hurt anyone. Assistant coach Rich Basaccia is expected to take over as interim head coach of the 3-2 and two Raiders and address the media on Wednesday. So there it is. Cancel culture claims another scalp. Privacy rights be damned. Joining us now to react to that and much more in his regular Tuesday visit is our own Peter Kersenow. Peter Kersenow is the host of the Kersenow Report on AM 1420, The Answer. He also happens to have a law practice, and he writes best-selling books, and he writes columns for the National Review, and he happens to work on the U.S. Commission on Civil Rights. All those are side jobs after the Kersenow Report. Peter, good morning. Bob, uh, doing pretty well. How you doing? I'm doing all right, my friend. Listen, I know you're 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 you know back to watching the NFL, and I won't judge you. I, I'm I'm doing well, everything well, I can know, to stay I, off. Yeah, it. I just take little peeks at it now, Bob. I take okay. little peeks. I, I peek in if they do anything that upsets me, if they kneel or anything like that, I'm gone. <laughs> I've given them another chance. The Browns are playing fairly well, despite uh, what happened on Sunday, well, yep. and a lot of that had to do with. Uh, I mean, there were a couple breakdowns and really horrendous officiating. Usually, I don't get into that. I usually I don't. I say, okay, look, calls go during the course of a season. You know against you for you you know and it is what it is you know and, all, and those of us who've played we get it you know but nonetheless that was 
some of those calls, I mean, they were spectacularly bad. I will take your word for it, my friend. You peeked in, and that's okay. But uh, this is, of course, about more than just football now, what we're talking about with the John Gruden story, and I want to get your your opinion on this. Now, a couple of days ago, it was revealed that there was a 10-year-old email that he sent to um, uh, Bruce Allen, who is his former colleague at the Raiders, and that's back when I was there 20 years ago with the Raiders, and then uh, they were together with the Buccaneers. Then Gruden retired or resigned or whatever, went to ESPN, Allen went to the Redskins, and they continued their relationship. And uh, it was found that he sent an email to um, uh, Bruce Allen in which he criticized the intelligence of DeMora Smith, the Players uh, Association uh, rep- or director, and, uh, and then criticized his appearance, including specifically the size of his lips. Uh, that happened, and he was criticized, and some people automatically called for his head. Then the New York Times came out with, yeah, there's more over the period, a period of few years. Again, mostly in emails to Bruce Allen in a one-on-one private email correspondence-type setting, uh, in which he did. He, he used uh, some slurs, some homophobic slurs. He did talk about women shouldn't be officiating or coaching or whatever the case might be. Uh, and, yeah, it's, it's inappropriate. Uh, no doubt about it, it's inappropriate. But Peter Kersenow... I'm a big believer in the First Amendment. I'm a big believer in the fact that we do not, as human beings, have the right to go through our days unoffended. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, we should very much expect to be offended because people have the right to say things as they wish. Having said all of that, John, John Gruden didn't say those things into a microphone or on an ESPN broadcast. He didn't put them for public <clears throat> consumption in a newspaper article. It was a one-on-one private conversation between two individuals via email, and... My my take, Peter Kersenow, is is let he uh, who hath never typed or written something that if went public <laughs> would would offend people and get them in trouble cast the first pink slip here. That's what I say. Yeah, this is a cultural snapshot, but it's a little bit more than that. And and I'm looking at it from the standpoint of a labor and employment lawyer who's been doing this for more than four decades. And um, there are a couple a couple points here. First of all, as I say, cultural snapshot. Um, I think. Almost every single one of us has said, thought, heard, written comments similar to what Gruden has said, because there is nobody here who is Jesus Christ, there is nobody who is perfect, everyone has, and, and a lot of us say it in a jocular fashion, especially Particularly Bob, you in the know football this. world. Exactly right. I mean, you go into a locker room and it is Lord of the Flies. I mean, all kinds of stuff is <laughs> said between... You are not lying. Uh, I mean, it is something else, you know, and I have insulted, uh, you know, teammates of mine of different races, and, and, and you get, I mean, you give as good as you get, you know, it's, it happens all the time. 100%. It's not always, appropriate, not always appropriate, and I don't remember one single time in all the years that I played in high school and college where anybody got offended, and believe me, some of those comments were really raw, and every one of your listeners who's ever played any kind of sport knows precisely what I'm talking about. That being said, there are a couple of other issues here. Um, one of them is, you know, how were these emails obtained? And apparently, and again, I didn't do a full read of this. I know, you know, you, you texted me this morning about this, and I, I, I was aware of it generally through the news reports. Um, and from what I understand from the news reports is the, the way the emails became revealed was it was in the context of a uh, workplace investigation. That is, that these emails were sent on business emails. That is, from Gruden to the Washington Redskins, where Bruce Allen uh, was at the time. And uh, in the course of the Redskins, I guess, doing an investigation on some type of workplace harassment, I believe it was, uh, 
And these things happen all the time. I see this all the time. I can tell you that, you know, a few times a year I get copious amounts of emails and other material in the context of some type of workplace. It could be a sexual harassment, um, um, racial harassment, religious harassment. It could be any number of things. And emails are produced. Or it could be simple, you know, a wrongful discharge claim. And in the production, the discovery production, emails are produced. If this were John Gruden using his own private email account and emailing Bruce Allen on his own private email account, that might be different. That might be have a different cast to it. It doesn't necessarily make it that much better because the NFL, let's face it, is a highly public and sensitive to public pressures business, more so than most. It is very, very visible. Um, but having said that, in, in this particular case, this wasn't a private exchange where one would have an expectation of privacy, and more importantly, it was being used, uh, the instrumentalities of the business was being used. So this isn't the kind of thing where you're simply being canceled because you said politically incorrect comments, although query, had Gruden said something like, Trump is a jerk, that had been revealed on business email, would there be this kind of outcry? Would he be forced to resign? Probably not. And that's the cultural zeitgeist we're in right now. Having said that, though, um, given that the NFL depends on a lot of, <laughs> to a large extent, cosmetics and public profile, this was untenable for them, especially given that he used uh, business emails to communicate these okay. things. So, let, let me respond to a couple of those, Pete, and let, let me sure. get your reaction to that, because um, I understand the part about the business email, but to me, whose servers they are is irrelevant here. When I say it was private, I mean it wasn't intended for public consumption. Somebody, in the course of this investigation, didn't keep it as an internal investigation. Somebody said, I'm going to get this guy, and sent this stuff to the New York Times. That is the problem that I have. What was meant to be private, i.e., from one private person to another private person, even if using company email, this is meant from John to Bruce, and Bruce back to John, and that's it. It wasn't intended for public consumption. Somebody made it public consumption by sending that to the New York Times, and that's the problem that I have. Again, if there is anything that you and I have sent to one another via text or via uh, email or whatever that is literally intended for our own private consumption, it doesn't matter to me what servers they're on. It's from me to you. Uh, and if I'm going to send a pink slip to John Gruden here, then, you know, woe is me when the New York Times comes for me. That's the problem I have here, is that this was never intended to be public. It was intended to be private between two guys. Where, this, yeah. where, the, where, the, where the problem comes into me is somebody playing, you know, and it's probably some woke, woke employee with the SPN or with the, you know, the National Football League, you know, in, in, in uh, doing this investigation into the Redskins. That uh, that said, I'm sending this to the New York Times. I'm going to get this guy probably because uh, they were offended by some of the things that he said. I, I agree that somebody was trying to get John Gruden most likely. I'd like to know why these emails were revealed, even though they were produced apparently in the course of a lawsuit or harassment investigation of some right. sort, some workplace misconduct investigation. Pro tip for everybody out there, to the extent they don't already know this, is. When you're in the workplace, presume that nothing is confidential or private. Now, you know, there's attorney-client privilege and all those other kind of things, but presume yeah. that at some point they will be produced during the course of discovery for whatever reason it may be. Those and, and the uh, computer that you're working on at your desk at your company, those emails are not your own. 
those belong to your company. You know, they are going to be at some point, somebody can get access to them, whether it's your IT professional, somebody else. So you don't have an expectation of privacy in those things. Now, if you're using your own personal email, that's a whole different story. Okay, but here, I think a couple things are at work, Bob. One is that they were probably legitimately produced during the course of an investigation. They don't have an expectation of privacy, not clothed with privacy. That what happened thereafter was a problem. But this is something where um, it was untenable for Gruden to continue on under these circumstances. You know, given where the NFL is and given the zeitgeist, you know, he couldn't yeah. do it. Again, as I said before, if he had done something that went against you know, the wokeism, if he had said, I hate Trump, or, you know, I'm all in favor of, you know, think of the best woke topic, uh, illegal immigration, he would have been lionized, most likely, okay? No one would have blinked an eye, but there are certain things that are forbidden to be said, whether you're doing it publicly or privately, and this is one of those things. He was, you know, and I, what bothers me about it uh, in, in one respect is I think Gruden made a huge mistake in using uh, these emails, and he was crude, and all of us have been crude at some point. That doesn't excuse Gruden. I'm just simply putting it in context. Yeah. But I keep returning to the fact that it's not just football. If you go to almost almost any kind of establishment, when people are not on the clock, so to speak, when people are discussing things among themselves, especially with friends, I mean, son of a gun. I mean, I try to be circumspect in the comments that I make. I'm an adult. You know, I've got kids and all this sort of stuff. I, I try not to say things that are over the top, but every single one of us does, and everyone, I think, feels some kind of kinship or affinity for Gruden because there are not too many people in your listening audience, I would suspect, who haven't made similar kinds of com comments at some point. And the good news for Gruden is... Um, he has, I think, he's made at least $40 million over the last four years off his last contract. I, again, this is not an excuse no. or trying to justify anything, but he's not going to be hurting. The people who are hurting are the folks, the, the guy who works the third shift at Ford or something who makes a, a comment offhanded, and, you know, it might just be kind of, uh, you know, he, he didn't mean to say it, it comes out the wrong way, and boom. His livelihood is well, destroyed. That's, see, that, that's my point here. Um, you're right, John Gruden, Gruden is going to be hurting other than reputationally, now probably for the rest of his life, anywhere he goes. People aren't going to think about Super Bowl champion or one of the great broadcasters with the great wits uh, you know, in, in NFL history. Uh, they're going to talk about the guy who was fired or forced to resign because of homophobic emails, homophobic or whatever emails. But Pete, the privacy thing matters to me here, and I know what you're saying about the emails being, you know, belonging to the company. If you're doing it on company email, I get that, but this is so much bigger than that. And I go back to Donald Sterling as a point of reference here. Donald Sterling wasn't using emails. Donald Sterling thought he was talking privately right. uh, in conversations with his wife, never suspecting that he was being recorded by his, or is it his girlfriend? I can't remember the whole mistress-wife thing with Donald Sterling. But whoever it was, was recording him. You know, you, when you have what you, you, you say, you can't really have an expectation of privacy, you know, on an email, you probably think you do in your own home. I just think that we are in the gotcha culture. Yeah. I, you talk about the zeitgeist. We are in a culture where everybody is trying to tear down everybody they don't like. Now, I'm not defending Donald Sterling, obviously, for what he said. He's a disgusting, despicable racist, as far as I'm concerned. But you have the right to expect privacy in your own home. And quite frankly, when you think it's just a text between me and you or me and another buddy, uh, that, that you know somebody isn't hacking into it and going to send it to the Times. Yeah, I agree. And, you know... Um 
there are how many people in the world now? Eight billion now? You know, yeah, starting roughly. to track. Uh, yeah, eight billion. Um, I would suspect not too many of them are St. Augustines. Um, and <laughs> no. almost everybody has. And, and yeah, I wouldn't want everybody to be St. Augustines. I really wouldn't. Uh, I Great. think that we we are getting to a point where, it, I mean, clearly it's one-sided. If you say certain things, your careers are ruined. But if you say other things that arguably are just as crude, you can be lionized. There's not yes. a problem with it. But either way, either way, I think there needs to be kind of some wiggle room and a zone there. There has to be some understanding that human beings sometimes say things that they wouldn't say in private, when, in, in public, when they're communicating with people that you know are friends of theirs and others. And these weren't meant to be public. If, if John Gruden had come out and said some of these things publicly, that's also a different kettle of fish. That means something different. He's trying actively to harm somebody. Here, there was no expectation that th- these comments were going to be revealed. Thank he was know. not trying to hurt anybody. He was not trying to do anything to hurt the NFL, to hurt uh, the NFLPA. He was making certain comments. And I can tell you, if, if, you, watch, if you listen to me watching a football game, um, again, Sister Frances Marie, if you're listening. <laughs> I know where you're going. I'm the same way. I mean, my goodness. And I can tell you, I'll repeat it again. Football locker rooms for me were one of the fun places to be because human beings, guys related to another race, uh, class, religion, immaterial, related to each other on a personal level, and we busted each other's you know what. Exactly. In Big ways that if it were heard by the, you know, when the, you know, when the media comes in, you don't hear that sort of thing. When the media comes in, they tone that down because it's not supposed to go public. It's personal between guys busting each other's you-know-whats. Uh, I happen to have a pretty good relationship with many of the Raiders. They didn't consider me media when I worked for them in 2000 and 2001. So I can tell you what the inside of that locker room sounds like. And, and what John Gruden wrote in his emails looks like a Sunday school prayer compared right, to the right. stuff that you hear on a regular basis. Pete, we're long in this segment. We'll come right back after this. Okay, 1027, short one here, about two and a half minutes with Kersenau before. He'll have one more segment after the news, by the way, so fear not. Uh, but uh, continuing now with Kersenau. Pete, just real quick, I uh, wanted to follow up. You said, uh, you know, you talk about hearing things, you know, nothing John Gruden said was designed to hurt somebody. Uh, there are plenty of things that Merrick Garland said that uh, were designed to hurt people, particularly parents. You and I talked about this some last week. I want to get a little bit more on this from you next segment, but briefly here before our bottom of the hour news. Um, there is no backing down. There has been no retraction. There has been no promise, no, that we're not going to sick the FBI on parents who express opposition to school boards when it comes to curricula and when it comes to uh, um, COVID-19 responses, including masking. The, the policy stands despite People from one end of the country to the other uh, really, really, you know, speaking out against this. Do you believe that there will be parents who are investigated by the FBI, or is this all a big smokescreen to scare parents away from speaking uh, at their local board meetings? Well, I think it clearly is 
a big chilling effect. I think the intent here was to prevent parents, to scare them from going there and demonstrating their opposition to critical race theories, some of the transgender policies, and some of the other woke lunacy that's been pervading many of our school districts here. And parents have become outraged for a number of reasons, one of which they were completely oblivious to the kind of indoctrination that was occurring in the schools. COVID revealed some of that because they were watching some of the Zoom calls that their kids were having with classrooms. Um, But also, they start to see things coming home with kids, even though the ones that went into school or things being sent to homes that were outrageous and justifiably outrageous. I've seen many of the materials myself. I was originally involved in the Loudoun uh, County Schools situation uh, almost two years ago. And uh, this stuff is nuts. It's, it's just completely nuts. And parents are justifiably exercising the First Amendment rights to petition the government for redress of grievances. And they have major league grievances. What You've probably seen Mark Levin's chronology of what transpired to lead to the memo issued by Merrick Garland. It is an abomination what occurred. It clearly was collusion between the the unions, the Teachers Association, and the Justice Department. And they came up with this memo with tremendous alacrity. You know, government doesn't move any any faster than glacially. And this is an attempt to chill people from exercising their rights so they can continue to promote the critical race theory and all these other work policies in the schools because this is all about turning the United States of America into a completely democratic-controlled franchise, more importantly for those who are ideologues, socialist franchise. So So I'm in agreement with you, Pete. It is intended to chill speech. It's intended, again, I think, to to, uh, uh, to suppress dissent, uh, you know, it's dissenting speech sending speech um but so my question remains though do you think they will actually haul somebody in for an investigation or have blue windbreaker show up at somebody's house a couple of weeks after a school board meeting when a board member says i felt really intimidated here i, I just i, th- I don't I think, know that they're actually going to uh, well, do it they're, i feel they're like they're just have, scary yeah yeah I, I tend to agree because i don't think they're going to have a jurisdictional hook first of all the fbi doesn't really have any jurisdiction over something unless it's interstate i mean this right. is a local jurisdictional matter and the only thing they were citing in the memos were certain vague things. There's no any threats of violence. People were, were, were outraged and maybe a little bit, you know, had some vinegar in what they were talking about. But this is ridiculous. In the meantime, the FBI leadership is falling down and doing their real job. I mean, Ch- Chinese cybersecurity hacks and, and the southern border fentanyl coming across, things that are interstate commerce, things over which they do have jurisdiction, and we are getting flooded with this stuff, and they're concerned about parents rightfully upset by the kind of bilge being shoved into school curricula. Peter Kirsten now with us on AM 1420, The Answer, for one more segment after the news right here. We'll be back. Just because the president is incoherent doesn't mean you have to be. The Bob France Authority, keeping you politically coherent. On AM 1420, The Answer. All right, 1037. We'll continue now with Kirsten Al for one more segment. Peter, I want to. You, you mentioned uh, in the Gruden conversation before and uh, expectations of workplace privacy and blah, blah, blah. You mentioned your four decades plus of experience in labor law. And I want to tap into that a little bit more now. We've talked about vaccine mandates before with private employers. Uh, I want to talk about it now in terms of public as well. We know uh, Joe Biden, of course, has mandated that all uh, employers that have 100 people or more working for them must uh, make sure that all of their workforces are vaccinated, and it's starting to come to pass. Southwest, 
just uh, this past weekend, saw over 2,000 flights being canceled. They claimed it was because of bad weather in South Florida, which would have been news, I guess, to all of the pilots flying in and out in Delta and United and all the other planes. But um, they just announced their vaccine mandate for their employees. Pilots, airline, uh, flight attendants, baggage handlers, uh, uh, mechanics, uh, are all livid, and uh, they are going to, those who are not vaccinated and have no plan to be, to be using all of their sick time and their personal time before they are before they are fired, essentially, next month. Here's what one pilot at Southwest had to say. My wife and I, we looked at the research, we spoke with our medical professionals, and we don't believe it's right for us. And so we are going to stand for our medical freedom. We believe we have a choice. This goes far beyond the pilots because it's not just airline pilots. Sure, there's airline pilots speaking out and you're seeing it kind of in the forefront of news, but it's the flight attendants, it's the ground personnel, it's everyone who works for these major airline corporations. So there is a massive uh, pushback mm-hmm. now, and if they grind all of Southwest Air to a halt, it could not happen too soon, and I could not applaud loudly enough. Pete. Um, what is your take from a legal perspective on the mandates from private employers in places like this, particularly those who can show and prove natural immunity through uh, their recovery from COVID-19? Right. I mean, look, um, I've said this many times before on your show, and that is, and I say it to my law school classes, simply because something is legal doesn't necessarily mean that is right or is the best policy choice. Those are completely different discussions. It is lawful for an employer to <clears throat> require certain things over the employees, you know, whether it's a mandate related to vaccines, face coverings, things of that nature. And there, there are certain exceptions to that. There, I mean, there's a lot of exceptions to that, but the basic ones have to do with religious ex- objections or ADA, meaning Americans with Disabilities Act uh, exceptions. But among other things, and, and let's face it, somebody like a, a uh, airline may think to themselves, although I'm opposed to this universal mandate, they may plausibly and rationally say, that is the leadership of Southwest Airlines, say, you know, people are concerned about air travel during the time of COVID, or at least some people are, and we don't want to add to their concern by making it unclear whether or not our employees are vaccinated, whether or not they may be exposed to COVID. Again, I, I disagree with that formulation. Yeah, that I, I was going to say, as you, as you continue that, that explanation, Pete, I, I consider the fact that we are seeing it's not, they're not breakthrough cases anymore. They're almost the majority of cases, the new cases, are people who are vaccinated, testing yeah, positive. And, 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 so, and they're you relatively know, no, no, mild. Right. Yes, those are re- relatively mild, uh, don't even require hospitalization in the main. And I think we're, as a society, being drug- dragged down by this kind of safetyism, which may be the biggest threat to our freedom. We, we, we trade freedom for comfort and safety, and we end up having neither. And so my point is, you ask me from my decades of labor law, well, yeah, of course, employers can do a whole lot of stuff. And, you know, I typically represent management, so I'm telling them what they can do. And they, most of these mandates, the way they are discharging them, or at least on policy and paper, is correct, whether or not an implementation is correct, they can do it. The subsidiary question is, is it wise or right to do it? Personally, just like with you, Bob, I cheer these pilots. I mean, there, there's a certain essential Americanism to their refusal to go along with what I perceive to be a a huge overreaction, lockstep idiocy on the part of so many corporations foisted on us by the woke government that we currently have. Well, Biden's not woke in in the traditional sense, but he's he's woke in the the colloquial sense. 
And so I think, yeah, look, uh, you know, these pilots, these airlines, and going back for a moment, Bob, you know, every single one of us, I bet, who is currently listening to your show or speaking on your show as I am, when we first heard about what was going on with Southwest, we were amazed by the mendacity or and or cluelessness of the media in reporting about this. When they had hundreds of flights being canceled and they were blaming it on weather, and every single one of us with a brain was saying, like, is Southwest peculiarly <laughs> affected by this? Every single one of us knew what the, I, I had no idea. I heard no reports about any type of work stoppage or objection to the mandate, anything like that. But a logical conclusion would be that's what, what this was all about. And you're seeing it spreading throughout a lot of other places, too. And I'm heartened by it. I want people to be safe. I got the vaccine, Bob. I made an individual choice. I think it's what's best for me. But the rationalization that we're hearing from our so-called you know, uh, uh, government right now that, you know, this is best for every. I think it doesn't make scientific sense. I also think that we have to weigh freedom against safetyism. We don't want well, our that's... kids, we, you know, and we make our own choices as to how we protect our kids and so on and so forth. And I think everybody can make rational decisions as to whether or not they're going to pursue, <clears throat> excuse me, getting a vaccine, wearing a mask. And I, I think that the heavy hand of big government and big companies needs to lighten up we're americans we want our freedom pete pete speaking of safetyism uh, and by the way i want to clarify for our listeners what you said earlier when you said it is central americanism to this not central americanism to this (laughs) (laughs) i don't even know what you meant Um, no that that applies to the biden administration (laughs) yes pete i want to give you a quote and i want to see if you know who it is because it, it relates to safetyism of all tyrannies a tyranny sincerely exercised for the good of its victims may be the most oppressive. It would be better to live under robber barons than under omnipotent moral busybodies. The robber baron's cruelty may sometimes sleep. His cupidity may at some point be satiated. But those who torment us for our own good will torment us without end, for they do so with the approval of their own conscience. Yeah, you know I used to remember who that was. I forgot. I forgot, That's... Bob. But I'll just—I'm going to throw out Orwell because I can't think of anybody else. Well, no, this was this was C.S. Lewis. And, there you go. And, yeah, there you and, go. and, and, and it's exactly author. what I thought of this quote, which I had read recently, which is why I was able to pull it up so quickly when you brought up safetyism. That's exactly what you're talking about, isn't it? They, they think that what they're doing, and maybe they do or don't, but with their for, for the good of their own conscience, they think that by forcing their tyrannical rules upon us, it's for our own good, and therefore they will continue to do so without pause. Yeah, and, and Bob, it goes one, for, one step further than that. Not for our own good. They have seen over the last year and a half the benefits that augur to the progressive cause by making, by, by cowing us, causing us to, for example, change radically election procedures, um, giving them power over what we can do or say, how we, how we behave. I mean, this is extraordinary, and this is why they want to continue, I believe, they want to continue to create and, and maintain this kind of hysteria because it has been a real eye-opener for them. If they can claim that what they're doing is for our own good and protecting our lives and, and, and our, our uh, health, then they can come up with all kinds of rationalizations, paper ballots, from here to eternity, um, not having to produce IDs because, oh, my goodness, we don't want to you know, have people go in and try to obtain IDs where there may be lines, whatever it may be. This is a unique opportunity on the part of the left to expand the progressive cause, and they are going to be very jealous of giving up this power. 
Well, that's what my argument has been for the last several months, that this is in no way about public health. This is in no way about medicine. This is in no way about combating a pandemic. This is taking a, 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 um, a crisis situation and taking full advantage of it. This is, you know, the, the old don't never let a good crisis go to waste. Um, if they can talk us into taking this this shot, which has yep. unknown effects on us in the long term. Pete, I, no, sorry to break, break the news to you. You don't know how this is going to hit you in five years because we don't haven't had five years go right. by yet. That's why all of the other vaccines that everybody's saying, well, would you have been against polio? Would you? All of those vaccines we put into our kids have had decades and decades of proof of what the after effects are going to be, the long-term effects. You need a long term of time to go by to see what the long-term effects are. So if in my my what I've been arguing is what you just said, Pete, if they can talk 97 to 98 percent of Americans, which Joe Biden said last week is what it's going to take 97 to 98 percent of Americans into taking a shot that has unknown effects into the future upon them, then they can talk the people into anything. They can force them into doing anything. And all they have to do is convince them that this is for the greater good. This is for the betterment of society, for uh, the general public. Remember what Fauci said? Remember this part? Uh, speak, Fauci. I don't normally like to hear you speak at all, but I want to hear you speak right now. Hold on one second, Pete. Let me see if I can cue this up real, real quick. You have got to look at it and say there comes a time when you do have to give up what you consider your individual right of making your own decision for the greater good of society. So if they can talk us into giving yep. up our own medical privacy rights for the good of society, then they can talk us into and eventually mandate us into giving up any right that they see as being for the good of society, Pete. This isn't about your health or mine. It is about control. It's about compliance, creating a compliant populace. That, I agree with that entirely, and that was my, my whole point also. And there is a creeping collectivism that comes with this. This is something. This has been a goldmine for the socialist enterprise. They get to socialize so many different operations of our current democracy in pursuit of supposedly public health, of this, this attempt to make sure that we are a safe society. That is a very, very, very dangerous proposition. We've got to push back hard, and we're not being stupid about it. We're being very smart about this. In fact, I think what, one of the things we, have to, we cannot give up, I'm not going to sacrifice freedom for safety under any circumstances. I want the freedom to determine how I'm going to comport my life to the extent it doesn't hurt anybody. And they've got to establish the burden is on them to show that somehow my actions are somehow endangering somebody else. But even when that happens, the first element that should be always preserved is freedom. We were founded on that. And guess, you know what? If you don't like a free society because it has, quote unquote, too much risk, then go to a place where there's no risk, no freedom, and see how you like it there. Yeah, and that's uh, that's the message that a lot of people who live in some of those places have for Americans. You have no idea. You know, I don't know if you know who Pitbull is, the rapper Pitbull, Mr. Worldwide. Do. He was doing a concert last distress. weekend. <laughs> he was doing a concert last weekend, and his, uh, his comment in between songs went viral. As he basically said, to all of you people who dislike this country, uh, F you. He literally said it out loud. He said, I come from Let's Cuba. Let's go, Brandon. 
That's right. He said, I come from Cuba. You have no idea what oppression looks like. You have no idea what it means to be held prisoner. Go where I came from, he said. And I'm paraphrasing him. Before, And then then you're going to come back here and you're going to be kissing the Stars and Stripes. And that's something that I think will only continue to be the case if we fight for rather than surrender the liberties we have now. We have a more desperate need for a vaccine against socialism than we do against coronavirus. Amen. Amen to that. That is exactly right. Peter Kirsten, now, terrific stuff as always, my friend. Thank you so much. We'll talk to you again next week. Take care, Bob. 10.50, time for a quick timeout, and then I've got time for phone calls. We'll have time for a few, hopefully. Dial now, 216-901-0945, on The Authority. Okay, 1054, I've got time for a few phone calls before we wrap it up at the top of the hour. Thanks again to my guests, by the way, Nurse Danny in the first hour. If you missed the interview that I spoke or that I had with uh, Nurse Danny, who is a 16-year pediatric nurse who gave up her career uh, down in Orlando, Florida, rather than take the mandated vaccine, uh, believing it is not healthy, believing it is not safe, and believing her freedom trumps her job. And uh, there are... Sadly, millions of Americans who are making the same decision right now. If you missed that interview, take a look at whkradio.com and go to the Bob France podcast page and listen to our number one again later. Or listen to it for the first time if you missed it. Matthew, Medina, AM 1420, The Answer. Matthew, go right ahead. Uh, good morning, Bob. Thank you for taking the call. Certainly. Uh, I am calling. My, uh, my granddaughter lives in uh, Sneedville, Tennessee. She's a registered nurse. And uh, she works for Blue Cross Blue Shield. And uh, they came up to her uh, about a week or so ago, and they told her they were issuing the mandate. She either gets the shot or she's going to lose her job. Well, this kid is a strong-willed person. And she's got, so she said, well, let me talk it over with God. She put a dirty word in their, in their, in their room there, God, G-O-D. And she says, uh, she came back the next day, and she says, well, I talked it over with my God. And we decided that we're not going to go along with the rest of the crowd. And uh, I am not getting any shots. And they fired her. Yeah, well, sadly, Matthew, that is happening all too frequently in all too many places. But God bless her. God bless her for having the, the courage you know, and and the uh, uh, the 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 fortitude to do what is right for her, and 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 to right. not and and to not violate her beliefs and violate violate her own best judgment. I mean, I, I just only hope that there is a safety net for the people who are making these very very tough tough decisions yeah, about their careers. Too. So, but anyhow, thanks for the time, Bob. And I yes, thought sir. I'd get it out there to you, and I'm going to keep it up. I'm the grandpa, and he's a pretty strong-willed guy, and so is she. <laughs> well, I'll so tell you what, Matthew. God, thank God you. Bless. Yes, and God bless you, too. I'll tell you what, I'll say a prayer for your granddaughter and for all of those in the health field or in whatever field you're in. I don't care if you're a longshoreman. I don't care what you do. If you are making the difficult decision to stand up for your rights and your beliefs over being compliant, um, you know, at the, at the, you know, point of a spear by your employer or by the federal government, um, I, I'm going to pray for you. And I think we should all do the same. I really do. Let's go to uh, Tom and Medina. Hi, Tom. You're on the air. Go right ahead. 
Hi, Bob. Hi, Tom. I, I, I'm hearing you talk about all these things like COVID and Afghanistan, the budget, all these different problems we got. How are we going to how are we going to fix all these problems? What's the solution? Well, you're asking a magic question that doesn't have a single singular answer. It's going to take multi-tiered answers and multi-tiered uh, le- levels of uh, of problem solvers at local and state and federal levels. So I don't know if I can just answer how we're going to fix everything in this country. I will say this. We have to neuter the rest of the Biden agenda for the second two years of his what should be a single term. And we have to win this fall. Where this coming fall, rather, we have to win in November of 2022, uh, so that Congress can block each and everything that this lunatic tries to do to continue the destruction of this country. That's a start, but that's certainly not that's certainly not the beginning and the end of the answer. Right. Well, see, I I, I get the feeling you don't believe the election, the voting machines are a problem, and that's what that's what Frank LaRose doesn't think they're a problem. He doesn't even think they're on the internet. I think that's a major problem. Well, it could be. Uh, it could be. And, and, uh, and I'll say this about that, uh, Tom, and I appreciate the phone call. Um, the voting machines here in the state of Ohio, um, there may have been slight impacts, but they didn't stop Ohio from doing what Ohio did. And that is, you know, electing Donald Trump by eight points, eight and a half points, maybe it was, and by continuing the strong majority in the, uh, uh, in the Ohio legislature, even though I'm not a fan of most of the Republicans therein. And of course, in closing the gap and helping to, uh, shrink Nancy Pelosi's majority in the, in the House of Representatives from 15 to 4. So, you know, while it could still be a problem, yes, absolutely. I'm not panicking over that here in the state of Ohio. I would be panicking over that in a number of other states. But in many of those other states, they have already addressed them. They have already done a lot to shore up election safety, election integrity, and to make it more difficult to cheat. So I'm not going to panic. You're right. You're right. I'm not going to panic. I feel like we are taking great steps toward restoring election integrity. Not perfect, but steps. Thank you for the call, Tom. Thanks to everybody. Thanks to you for listening. We'll talk to you tomorrow on AM 1420. The Answer. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.